Hi, I'm Michael Marshall, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 62. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Jelena Levin. Sia. Всем привет. What's the Sia? I thought it's a singer. Or is it Tia? Chia. Sia? It's not the first time we talk about that. Sia is the singular form of Sia stock, which is the plural. Ah. No, I did, I've forgotten. I'm greeting only one person, so I'm saying Sia. Okay. Unfortunately, Pontus is not with us today. So this is why I used the singular form of the Hungarian greeting, Sia. Pontus is having fun somewhere in Italy on a, on a ski slope. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah. Do you ski? <laughs> Do I ski? No, I don't ski. I try not to ski ever because my balance is uh, non-existent <laughs> and I fall every time. I even even if I stand on skis, I fall. Like I'm not I don't even have to go anywhere. I don't know. I haven't even tried skiing. So Pontus is not here with us today, but uh, he's going to be back by next week, hopefully. And uh, we're going to come back with uh, the usual bi-weekly episode of the different segments. But for now, we have an interview episode. That means this time it doesn't mean one interview, but we have two interviews with um, people who have already been on the show before. But uh, we discussed the latest wrongdoings of Andrew Wakefield with them. That's uh, Michael Marshall from the Good Thinking Society and Fiona O'Leary from uh, Autistic Rights Together. And uh, those wrongdoings we've talked about uh, on previous episodes. And unfortunately, we were too optimistic and thought that uh, the events might not be happening turned out that the london event took place and they went on to do it uh, through the center for homeopathic education in the uk and the event took place at regent's university london which is terrible that a university hosted an event like that so this is why we thought it's a good idea that we discuss this with Marsh and Fiona. Yeah, we discussed a couple of things as well. What can be done? How can we try to tackle the problem? And how can we speak up against uh, Andrew Wakefield's absolutely mental movement of anti-vaccination? Mm. But we are still trying to gather more information from different countries across Europe. So, dear listeners, if in your country an event has taken place an event that potentially features a screening of the movie the the pseudo documentary vaxed from cover up to catastrophe that's that's the title uh please let us know because we would like to inform others across europe about that there seems to be a europe wide movement building up 
and we have to do something about it. So please get in touch with us if you know something, if you have information. You can get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is info at the ESP.eu. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at ESPodcast underscore EU. Um, you can like us on Facebook and um, you can complete a form on our website, which is theesp.eu. And you can go on iTunes and uh, leave us a review. That would help us a great deal in uh, being visible to others looking for skeptical podcasts out there. So if you um, dedicated a couple of minutes to write a review and uh, give us a couple of stars, preferably five, um, that would be very much appreciated. By the way, helping our cause, the donate button. Uh, the donate button on our website is available for anyone who would like to contribute a little something to uh, keep our podcast going. And um, the first donations already started coming in. So thank you for those who donated. Thank you very much. Every single micropayment is very much appreciated and it will keep us going uh, for a long time, hopefully. So why don't we move on and actually start those interviews? So I hope you, dear listeners, will enjoy them. On every other episode, we usually interview a person representing an organization or project, either from a certain European country or stretching across borders. Today's episode, however, will be slightly different, as we recorded two short interviews with two of our previous guests and asked them to reflect on the latest developments in the anti-vaccination movement. Our first guest is Michael Marshall. Project Director at the Good Thinking Society, a prominent UK charity campaigning for science and reason. Marsh, welcome back to the show. Very nice to be back on the show, yeah. It's been a while since I've been on, so yeah, lovely to chat to you guys again. Yeah, then we had no idea how long this uh, this, this podcast will last. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that was right at the beginning, and we, yeah, it's been going on for more than a year. That's, that's always the way. You're never quite sure how long uh, any of these, uh, these types of projects or endeavours will uh, go on for. I think we've just hit something like seven years on Skeptics with a K or eight years on Skeptics with a K. It's just ridiculous. I've, yeah, it seems Amazing. very bizarre to be in that position now. It's totally <laughs> mental. But uh, you've had some experience with uh, campaigning in general, yeah, speaking up against uh, pseudoscientific claims and uh, especially when it has something to do with uh, public relations. But this is why I thought uh, you might have um, a couple of things to say about the, the latest uh, developments of the, the anti-vaccination movement mm. and especially the screenings of uh, Andrew Wakefield's vaxxed uh, pseudo-documentary. You drew uh, the attention of the community of uh, European skeptics to a couple of screenings across Europe mm. and you kind of set the ball rolling about that and, and the, 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 there has been an ongoing discussion ever since. So how did you come across that information? Uh, are you monitoring Wakefield's activities or uh, how involved are you with campaigning against the anti-vaccination movement? Yeah, sure. I think that the way that it first came to my attention um, actually was related to the fact that I do Skeptics with a K. It was somebody in Brussels who got in touch to say, um, I, I listened to the show, and I've just found out that uh, Wakefield is going to be giving a talk in uh, in the EU Parliament. Uh, and this is something that I think uh, 
is wrong what can we do about this and so it was very much someone kind of coming to coming to me because uh they know that i work on these types of things they know that i'm involved in these types of things i'm interested in these types of things so it's quite useful uh using skeptics with a k occasionally as a lightning rod for uh in- uh, interesting or uh, terrible or uh useful or uh, or um yeah awful uh, events that we need to be aware of or developments we need to be aware of um so yeah somebody sort of came to me uh, that way really and once I realised that uh, this was going to be taking place in Belgium. There's always already a, a London one, which people had uh, uh, had already started talking about, and we'd been made aware of just previously to that too. Um, I thought, well, the best thing to do when it comes to uh, Wakefield speaking in Brussels is to get in touch with first of all the Belgian sceptics who are there on the ground, able to try and uh, try and do some work on that area, uh, and also Exel because the you know, Brussels being the seat of uh, the seat of Europe, it's a fantastic chance for Exel to. Uh, to, to use the links that we have across countries to to try and establish what we can do, really. EXO being the European Council of Skeptical Organisations. Yeah, exactly. Do you, as the Good Thinking Society, I mean the organisation itself, do you deal with this issue, or it's it's more of a sideline thing for you? No, it's it's, it's you know very squarely in our, in our wheelhouse. I mean, this is uh, pseudoscience. Um, at its most definite, the anti-vax movement, and uh, it has a very clear um, ability to harm people, whether that's in an individual case or in a, a sort of a collective communal case. So absolutely, this is something that we as good thinking and, and more broadly, the sceptical community uh, should be on top of and, and are involved in. Um, we're kind of we've been fortunate for a bit in the UK, and I, and I suspect that tide might be turning, but we've been fortunate the the anti-vax movement hasn't been that strong in the UK. Certainly not as strong as it's been in Australia, uh, where the, the people like um, uh, the Friends of Science and Medicine and the Northern Rivers Vaccination Network and uh, a few other kind of um, fantastic groups out there are doing amazing work countering the, the anti-vaxxers in Australia. Yeah. Similarly, Wakefield has been uh, peddling his nonsense and his uh, proven fraud in uh, America for some time, and there's uh, quite an active anti-vax community there but it's been something that's been relatively quiet in the uk certainly for the last kind of 10 years or so something in that kind of area um but if you monitor as, as i occasionally do things like uh, facebook groups for alternative health and uh, for uh people who uh, are, are booking the system as they would put it you start to see uh, you, you start to see a lot of these kind of uh sentiments and this anti-vaccination rhetoric bubbling away for some time and starting to to grow kind of in parallel to the um anti-chemotherapy big pharma they've got a cure for cancer they don't want to yeah. tell you about so why not uh go to Mexico and pay $20,000 to uh, have Gerson therapy type uh, type things. Mm. It, it, they kind of go hand in hand, I think, in the UK. And, and that seems to be gathering a bit of momentum, uh, certainly in those kind of um, anti-vaccination, anti-medicine, anti-science uh, forums and, uh, and Facebook groups and things like that. But places where typically skeptics don't tread, so we don't see those conversations taking place. So, yeah, we, we do monitor those types of things, but... Um, we also, it's very, very useful that uh, occasionally people will come to me and say, Marsh, have you seen this thing? I think it's terrible. What can be done? And that's kind of what uh, my role with Good Thinking is also about, is not, not just uh, being the, the person who is implementing uh, the, the campaigns and designing the campaigns, but also being there for someone to say, I've spotted this thing. What do we do? And uh, hopefully, therefore, I have a, a bit of a uh, links into the network, in links into the, the skeptical community to understand who's best place to help on what and, and what can be done, really. 
So, Marsh, can you tell us, um, with Andrew Wakefield's Vaxxed, what um, what ended up happening in London in the end? Yeah, well, the London one was uh, was interesting. So, w- w- the Curzon th- uh, Cinema, which was going to be screening it, uh, received an awful lot of uh, correspondence from people saying this is out of order. And I know uh, people like um, Adam Rutherford were very vocal in that area. Simon Singh was also very, very vocal. Obviously, Simon being uh, being my boss at Good Thinking was very vocal about it. Um, and so Curzon pulled the screening and decided not to uh, not to go ahead with it and made a very sensible decision, if you ask me. And they, they did that relatively quickly. Um, but it did mean because there was a bit of space uh, between the decision to, to pull it and the actual screening time, it gave uh, anti-vaxxers, the people who were putting it on, uh, which I believe was the, the College for Homeopathic Education, I believe they were the people, uh, some of the people behind putting it on, um, the fact that they called homeopathic education, just uh, the, the, the fact that they can't see the irony, or that, that, that's what we would call them, is that they only have a homeopathic level of education. Um, but they, uh, they decided to go off and find a new venue, and they had the time to do that. And they kept that venue secret until a couple of hours before the screening. And in the end, I believe it was at uh, Regents University in London, who they who they essentially withheld all information about the nature of the event, the content of the event, and and uh, who would be speaking there. Held all that information from the the venue uh, to a point where even the venue has now had to come out and say we didn't know what this event was. We are never going to uh, accept bookings like this where where we're not kept in the loop about the nature of the event in the future, uh, which I think is a, a responsible policy um, and one that you'd imagine anywhere especially a university who was going to be hiring out their facilities you'd imagine they should already have that kind of policy in place um so that their their name isn't attached to uh something which is so patently dangerous you know i i I suspect regent's university wouldn't have taken on uh, a talk or a film screening from a holocaust denial uh group um, they should have that level of screening to make sure that they're not being uh, attached to stuff that is uh, reprehensible or uh, or irresponsible. And um, it's good to know that they will be doing that going forwards, but uh, it it didn't stop the event taking place this time, unfortunately. Yeah, but sometimes you cannot do anything about it when they just simply rent out the room, right? So if that is the case, then they can tell you they have nothing to do with uh, what's what's going on in the room, but it, it is not right. Um, at the university I attended, there used to be loads of creationist talks. Mm. So there was a guy um, giving a talk every semester. And then after a while, I managed to get the university to, to stop that nonsense, but it took a lot of effort. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough in a way because when when it's a public talk, um, I think the the bar is a, a a little lower in terms of how irresponsible it is to put it on. I, I don't agree that uh, you know a university yeah. uh, bringing in someone to give a, a lecture about creationism is a good use of university time or funds. But at the same time, if it is an open lecture, at least there is the possibility that there is uh, someone there who could uh, who could contest those ideas and put forward a, a, a reasonable position. Yeah, you know, I don't think creationism should be given time uh, in a lecture. But if they want to have a, a, a conversation between a creationist and someone who's willing to put them right on stage, then I think that's a valid, uh, that's potentially a valid forum. That's a potentially a, a valid debate if we're looking through a free speech thing. Um, but it's very, very different for a university or for any organisation to hire out one of its buildings for a closed meeting. Um, and this was a closed meeting. You know, this was uh, I think 300 people or, or, or whatever, but it was ticketed ahead of time and held in secret. That's the definition. It couldn't get more closed. Um, this wasn't a, a, a place of free speech. 
This was a place of very controlled anti-free speech. This very controlled uh, anti-factual speech that was not going to be challenged. There was a panel, I believe, uh, were there. Uh, Wakefield was speaking. Um, and I think a lot of people who would accuse uh, skeptics or a campaign against uh, the screening of this film, uh, who'd accuse that, that of censorship, would say, well, it's better to have these ideas out in the public and debate them. But that isn't what this was. This wasn't having those ideas out in the public and debating them. This was keeping these ideas behind a locked door, uh, charging people to ha- have this, uh, this one-sided and uh, deeply distorted and openly fraudulent in places view put to them with nobody to put that in the context of reality. And I think that's a, that would be a very skewed view of free speech uh, if we were to, to defend that on free speech principles. So... I do think it's important that universities and other establishments are aware of the the content and the nature of the the event that they're putting on because ultimately it's their reputation that's on the line. Um, and even if it's not their reputation on the line because their name isn't going to be attached to it, they are still facilitating something which could be deeply irresponsible and deeply harmful. And uh, I think it's important that they don't shirk that responsibility or try, and, uh, try to, to shuffle it off by saying this isn't something that we endorse. We just sell them the room. That's, you don't get to, to do that, I'm afraid. If you're facilitating this event going forward, uh, your, the responsibility is, is to a degree still on your hands. So I think it's very, very important that when these, are, when these conversations are happening and when the, these ideas are explored, I think they have to be explored in the right kind of environment, in the right kind of platform, one that doesn't give undue legitimacy and undue credibility to ideas that have that hold no weight but merely explores them as an idea um, and and is able to effectively either challenge those or put them in the context of, of what they are and, and furthermore what they aren't yeah but um when it comes to doing something about it there are certain different tactics and courses of action that uh, we can take and and you did touch on the timing uh, how crucial the timing is because of uh, if it's too late to cancel the event that's a problem if it's too early so that they have uh, a good chance of finding a new venue and doing it again that's a different thing uh, and um, we've uh, talked about that when uh, earlier on last year you started a similar kind of uh, discussion about Ryan Clement uh, activities mm. the, the well-known cancer quack so what do you think the best course of action is in this case uh what do you recommend other um people who who would like to do something about it when they come across an event like this being advertised so what do you think the best thing to do is yeah well i think it's 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 certainly important to challenge these kinds of things um i I think these events shouldn't be uh allowed to go ahead without the the venue or, or the people who may be involved uh, peripherally in running the event or being involved in putting the event on you know, venue staff, people like that, venue owners. Um, I think it's important that they are aware or they are made aware what it is that they're supporting. Because quite often what you'll find is that you know, with Brian Clement uh, and even sort of with Vax, as you see at Regent University, uh, the organizer of the event will obscure the reality of the event from the venues because they know that those venues won't want to be attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think anything we can do to make venues aware uh, that uh, the content that's uh, going to be uh, going to be on display, that's going to be sort of put to the public, is irresponsible and dangerous. Um, that will often give the venue motivation to do something about it. And if it doesn't do any, if the venue don't do anything about it this time because it's too late or they've signed a contract or whatever reasons they might possibly have, and you know, just many of those reasons are, are, aren't things that would uh, would hold up, I don't think. Um, then at least next time they're either going to think we made a massive mistake by having this uh, irresponsible thing on, or they're going to think 
we got a massive headache by having this controversial thing on, um, neither of which are very good business practice when what you want is to have a, a good business with a good reputation. Mm-hmm. So I think challenging these things is very important in that kind of way. And sure, sometimes it means that we'll we'll do it at a point where the uh, event can still, still ends up going ahead, but in another venue. And we've seen that in the past with a, a couple of other kind of um, miracle mineral supplement conferences or cancer quackery conferences where there is such scrutiny on the conference that they have to do this cloak and dagger meet by the train station two hours before the event and we'll take you there um and those events still go ahead but i think it's still better that the that they end up putting themselves in a position to take those types of uh bizarre steps to have their uh event held than for them to have to to think well this is so mainstream this is so normal that we can have this event and no one's going to complain no one's going to say this is a problem we can do this anytime we like so i think that level of uh of of um trickery that level of uh, issue in terms of, or, or inconvenience in putting the event on is uh can be salutary you know it can actually uh, make them think well is this really worth it this time so i think it is important to challenge that it's also important to uh contact people for whom this will be uh, a relevant issue so uh, when when we've had cancer quackery conferences taking play, uh, part in, in, uh, taking place in the uk and in fact there's one last year or the year before uh, just near brighton where you live andresh um, we were able to speak to the Brighton Trading Standards who were there for consumer protection. We were able to speak to the local Brighton MPs to say, did you know that your constituents are going to be put at risk by having this very dangerous misinformation uh, peddled to them on their on their doorstep? Um, and engaging those kinds of mechanisms just uh, hardens the ground to these types of events, which means... It, they, it makes those events less likely to go forward. And again, I, I don't believe this is an issue of censorship. I, I think this is an issue of public protection. You know, that if these people were putting these events on in order to say, we think this, who disagrees with us, let's have a conversation, then we'd be in a very different position. But they aren't saying that. Yeah. They're saying, we believe we have the truth about vaccines. We have the truth about cancer. We have the truth about all these other kinds of uh, very, very dangerous, deadly diseases. And that truth is ignore what experts and medical professionals and uh, you know the the people who and doctors and people who are telling you uh, that they can heal you. Ignore them and buy my product or follow my advice. That's dangerous misinformation. I think it's it's uh, a duty uh, of uh, a skeptic and of also of anyone who is civic minded. I think to challenge that as much as possible to make it harder to for those uh, those views to to be out there unchallenged and, and harder for people to be misled by them how much value do you see in flash mob like activities um when it when it comes to trying to speak up against these uh events yeah so so you mean uh, effectively keep your powder dry and turn up to the event on the day yeah um yeah uh, i'm not i'm not sure about those to be honest i don't i don't know that that's always a very uh helpful way forward um for one i think you could end up in a position where you end up being very confrontational in a way that you can't control the safety of that. And even if every single person who is uh, who's flash mobbing is going to do so with utmost respect for for other human beings and isn't going to be uh, antagonistic or uh, or aggressive, you can't say that about the people that we are disagreeing with. And I imagine if people who were going along to this anti-vaccination uh, film screening had got there to find 500 people stood outside of the venue. Um, I don't know that I would trust all 300 of those people to uh, to, to hold their tongue and to furthermore hold their fists. So I think you can potentially open yourself up to um, a level of escalation in terms of aggression that isn't mm. necessarily helpful. Yeah. 
Um, and I think also, I, I, I'm not 100% sure what it achieves because you're unlikely to stop the event taking place. Um, I think all you'll do is show the organisers that there are opposition. Um, I guess maybe you'd tell the... the, the uh, you Maybe the venue would have uh, a headache in managing an event with that level of opposition physically around you know that they that they would be uh dissuaded from doing something in similar in future but i think even then your um a flash mob type event would be something antagonistic towards the venue mm-hmm. rather than as it was with Curzon cinema for example people were saying Curzon cinema you shouldn't be putting this on do you know what you're you're screening here this is very dangerous and then when Curzon said we're not going to screen this a lot of people saying, "Well done for making a responsible decision. Thank you for for for, for thinking about this. Thank you for making this decision." So you can, so you're not so much um, railing against the venue. You're appealing to the venue's sense of conscience, sense of reputation, sense of uh, goodwill. Um, so you're kind of on the same side. I think if you were to say nothing, give them no warning, and then turn up on mass on the day, yeah, I, I'm not sure that that's a, a always. That, I'm not sure that's a very good tactic. I'm not sure that's a very safe tactic. I'm not necessarily sure it'd be, it would be a very effective tactic. That said, there may be instances where that would be useful. We just have to think very carefully about uh, employing that one. I think where the flashmaster stuff would be useful. Um, would be where you're uh, countering something that is much more established. Maybe that's the the key. Is that something like Vaxxed sees itself as being uh, the, the 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 underdog, um, and so to to be suddenly surrounded by hundreds of people would only reinforce that. Whereas the 1023 event that we did many 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 moons ago now um, wasn't dissimilar to a flash mob. I mean, mm-hmm. we announced bits of it ahead of time, um, but what we were flash mobbing was certainly in the UK a national. Uh, high street brand which is one of the most famous chains of shops in the uk so it was very hard for us to seem like uh we were the establishment stamping on the the underdog um and also we knew for a fact that boots chemist weren't going to send people out to shout and yell and uh and beat us up or anything like that so we, we could safely flash mob in that way because we were uh opposing a very big for a very big very organized very professional force who we knew we could protest in that fashion, and they would they would understand that that nature of that protest was. Whereas, yeah, I couldn't imagine if you were to turn up to the twenty or so people who were at the Brighton um, MMS conference a couple <laughs> of years ago. If fifty people were outside of there, then I, I don't know that I would uh, trust everything to happen smoothly on all, all sides. Really, yeah, it's it's a very good uh, point that you're making, but I, I do think that the the argument could be made that uh, one of the the main points in actually taking action against the, these budding um, kind of movements is that you are trying to stop that from happening. I mean, that movement growing big enough to be hmm. to not be the underdog uh, anymore. So, yeah, I think it's um, yeah, it's 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 uh, I don't know. It's 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 not an easy thing to take a stance on. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think one of the keys is, I mean, for, for a movement to grow, they have to recruit new members. They have to convince new members. And I think for someone who is on the fence of the, uh, about the issue of vaccination, um, I suspect a cinema saying, I think actually this would be a dangerous and irresponsible thing to, for us to show, so we're cancelling it, um, is a more salient message than this was going to go, to go ahead and then a mob turned up and prevented it. Um, I think that mob turned up and prevented it would be more incl- would be more uh, likely to lead someone who was on the fence to think actually mm-hmm. what was all that about what is this kind of big aggressive angry mob who turned up mobs a- angry mobs don't tend to do yeah. good things 
Yeah, so I think you might... Uh, one of the keys, I think, that that I always try and bear in mind when it comes to uh, to activism is is, bear, is come up with your goals first and write your tactics accordingly, yeah. but have your goals written down very clearly. And then every single thing you look like you, you look to do, every tactic you look to employ, reference that against your goals and say... Does this tactic help my goals or does this tacta- tactic hinder the achievement of my goals? But always reflecting back on what you're trying to achieve, I think, will be uh, will, will be uh, uh, will make your campaign more effective. I think this one is the best note to, to, to finish on. <laughs> 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 yeah, Marsh, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Anytime at all. And uh, yeah, we wish you all the best, uh, all the success uh, with the Good Good Thinking Society. Uh, By the way, if someone wants to uh, know more about your activities or um, probably even um, chip in a a few pounds, euros, etc. to help your cause, how can they do that? Uh, we can go to goodthinkingsociety.org uh, to find out all about us. And there's a donate button there, or you can go straight to uh, goodthinkingsociety.org forward slash donate if you do want to chip in a few pounds or euros. I think at the moment we probably prefer you to chip in a few euros because pretty soon pounds are going to be worthless. So at least we'll have something <laughs> <Okay>. worthwhile. <laughs> so it might work out better for us. But yeah, any we are a charity and uh, we, we exist. And uh, you know, as a charity, we exist on, on donations and things like that. So uh, anything anyone can do to support our work is, is, is has a huge effect on what we do and is also hugely appreciated excellent great again thank you very much marsh thanks a lot guys take care bye-bye our second guest is fiona o'leary founder and leader of autistic rights together and uh, probably the most experienced person in europe in the campaigning against the anti-vaccination movement so fiona welcome back to the show hi guys thanks for having me back on it's great to thanks be for your time fiona it's okay it's it's always great to, to talk to you the problem is that whenever we talk apparently there is something terrible happening uh, it's never it's never good news <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> it's not your fault is it so it's uh, again Andrew Wakefield's fault, I think, because his movie Vaxxed uh, has been screened in several uh, cities across Europe uh, lately. And uh, you got really deeply involved in uh, in trying to stop them from happening. Could you tell us about how you got the information that these screenings were about to take place and uh, what the actions you took were? Yeah, I mean... I spoke to you guys, I think, last July or August about uh, Vaxxed and, you know, they had really kind of come on the scene and I was threatened with legal action last summer by Andrew Wakefield and his film distributor, Cinema Libre, because we've been basically campaigning against this movement for a long time. Uh, I'm part of the autistic community, so we are very much um, exploited by Andrew Wakefield and his movement because they're telling parents, you know, that autism is this horrendous uh, disease. He calls it a plague, a holocaust, terrifying parents about autism. Autism, and he blames then vaccines for the cause of autism. So we, we're always on top of it. I don't think there's a day that doesn't go by when I'm not speaking out against the anti-vaccine movement. And sadly, what we've seen in the last um, eight months, roughly, is this film getting uh, a bigger audience. You know, first it was kind of done very, you know, kind of discreetly in cinemas, but they're getting more support, particularly because of Trump being elected, who sadly believes in pseudoscience and believes that vaccines cause autism. So we've had this continuous kind of um, blow after blow over the last few months where 
we're getting politicians joining with Trump like Robert Kennedy Jr. And they're planning to do this kind of vaccine inquiry. Then yesterday, I think we had Robert De Niro again, sadly, meeting with Kennedy and with um, others, Del Bigtree, and having a huge conference in America. So it's getting, it's gone from being kind of like um, a subject where we were kind of thinking, oh, they're crazy, you know, we can keep that under control, to getting support in political circles. Like Vax was meant to be shown at the European Parliament on the 9th of February, and that was a huge operation. I mean, it really was just continuous ringing, writing. Michelle Ravassi, this Green Party politician from France, hell-bent on getting this shown there. And then, you know, thankfully, we had politicians speak out and MEPs, and, you know, it, it was stopped. But then they held it in some kind of cinema around the corner. So every time we could, it's like that game, you know, my friend was saying where you're kind of batting moles and you get some down and then they hop up again. So it's like you have to keep on it all the time. Then Wakefield was meant to show uh, his film in London on the 14th Valentine's Day gone at the Curacao Cinema. We got that cancelled as well when we explained to them how dangerous it was. But sadly, he got um, he got it screened in Regency University on Valentine's night, and it was only shown by way of um, it secretly. So what happened was um, we we were told that they weren't going ahead, and then they put out this notification to all the people that were interested that um, anyone that wanted to come along to the screening would only get notification of the venue two hours prior to it happening. So it was literally impossible for us to find out where the venue was. And when we discovered that it was shown in Regents University, we were horrified, you know, that a university would let someone like Wakefield talk and... Um, 350 people turned up for this event, which is probably actually one of the biggest gatherings that we've seen since Vax has come on the scene. In America, they would not have numbers like that. So what really worries me, I suppose, is that I think there's a real appetite for this movement in Europe. And there's not enough being done by governments. They're not making enough statements. We have to keep pushing them, warning them. They should be looking at this issue themselves. And um, then on top of that, we don't have autism charities speaking out against Wakefield. I seem to be continuously <laughs> fighting this issue really with a very small group of people. And uh, the sceptic societies are probably in the science communities doing most of the work in relation to this issue. So I'm very angry and I'm very disappointed um, To see um, universities not investigating their speakers, I think it's very important. Now, we've since discovered that it was the Centre for Homeopathic Education that actually got this film into Regents University. So when I rang the university the morning after, they just said to me that the homeopathic organisation were clients of theirs for 10 years and they thought they were just giving one of their regular talks. And I said, well, they shouldn't even be clients of yours because they're quacks and they're promoting pseudoscience as well. Um, But it's all about money so i mean for instance to hire their venue for half a day is like 1100 pounds so it's a lot of money they're getting and um but since learning about facts they have completely disconnected from the center of homeopathic education which is good news so that's some positive news and they've assured us that they will be vetting all future speakers at their college so that's something good that has come out of it but the damage has been done if there were pregnant women attending that conference, they might walk away and vaccinate their baby. Yeah. Um, so what really shocks me is that at the end of the day, we're in a much more dangerous situation than we were last year, mm. because whatever problems we had last year have literally quadrupled now. We're, we really are in a situation where all hands need to be on deck. 
we need much more support from politicians. Like even in my own experience, I had to beg ringing writing it's exhausting trying to you know say hey look at this this is kind of a serious issue in ireland for instance nobody is talking about this they're not addressing it we have some great doctors trying to organize lectures and colleges but there's no like campaign what i'd like to see is like advertisements on the television or on the radio you know warning parents to vaccinate their children we need to do like a real global campaign that is effective not having little kind of individual talks and um or we will see these diseases coming back, not just measles. I mean, this is the other point I want to make. The recent reports in the Times, we've had four articles come out in the space of 48 hours. That's a lot. And I think there's another one tomorrow. <laughs> and um, that's great. That coverage is great. But we really need to have um, more kind of a conversation about Wakefield and vaccines in general. They focus on the MMR. They keep thinking that this is the only vaccine that Wakefield is against. That is not true. Wakefield and his team are knocking all vaccines. They are saying there are no safe vaccines. So every vaccine is bad. And I want to see the media talk about that. Even my husband is saying to me, why don't they mention the other vaccines? Why are they focusing on MMR? It's not just MMR anymore. It's polio. It's diphtheria. It's whooping cough. It's flu vaccine. The Gardasil vaccine is a huge thing for the VAX team. And actually, most of the stories that I see lately are in relation to Gardasil vaccine. Mm -hmm. For instance, VAX, did, they do videos maybe four or five a day and I watch them all I mean I'm, I'm continuously attending to them because it's important if we pick up on anything I saw um, them come out and say that the Gardasil vaccine causes cancer so it's not just autism now it's cancer as well vaccines cause cancer vaccines cause everything and then tonight which really hurt me um, very much because I have autistic children so they're using children so for, for instance this evening they had a little boy autistic boy he was maybe seven or eight years of age a non-verbal and they were getting him to type out a sentence for them saying dear president trump and it took him ages to do this and then i am vaccine injured so this is what they're doing they're taking little children they're brainwashing them and they're using this boy to try and get him into the white house he's like their poster boy now it's absolutely appalling and i, and I just really just infuriates me to have anti-vaxxers come to me. I've been attacked all day, when well, I'm attacked every day, um, saying to me, you're not an advocate for autistic people. You're, you don't care about children. This is the kind of crap that we have to deal with. And um, it's, you know, I'm getting it from France now, so I've get, I have to translate the insults now because um, it's really quite, there's quite a strong movement in France. I didn't realize how bad it was there. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm scared. I mean, I, I will say this. Um, Someone said to me, a reporter recently, they did an article, um, oh, it's, it's just a minor issue. And I said, no, it's not. When you're living in it and when you're like studying it almost every day, I have seen this growing to the point where like even Vax, the film, I think the gross um, amount of money they've made today is 1.6 million. You know, they're making huge money out of this as well. And then we see in the papers today that Amazon and Apple are selling this film. Yeah. I mean, what does it say about them? Um, but then Amazon have sold MMS books. They even sold MMS, this bleach treatment at one time. They don't seem to have any principles at all. Um, so everyone seems to be profiting out of this propaganda film. And... Um, and they don't care. I mean, they didn't even bother to give a comment to the journalist today that did that story. So what the hell is going on? Has the world gone crazy? I mean, this is this is what I'm beginning to believe is that Trump is there and 
there just seems to be a kind of a, a laziness on this issue that now's the time to be, it's hard work. I'm not saying that this is easy and we work really hard and every single day I'm looking at this issue, but every day I wake up to new horror on this and um, something needs to be done. We can't do this on our own. We need to get governments, like I said, to do a global campaign to, to educate parents, I suppose, because parents are starting to buy into this. They're believing in it. Even nurses and doctors are beginning to believe it. We see so many nurses going into the VAX bus saying that vaccines cause this, vaccines cause that. And um, it's a very scary time to live in, especially if you are in the autistic community. Um, I saw a comment today, and I'll finish on this, um, from an anti-vaxxer that said she wished there was a vaccine for autism because it's an epidemic and autism needs to be eradicated. So that's the kind of stuff that my children are growing up in at the moment. They're seen as something that needs to be basically blown away. Um, it's really, really upsetting. Do you agree with the statement that this anti-vaccination movement is still not mainstream and therefore we might be doing the wrong thing with uh, counteracting it because because we're giving them the opportunity to refer to themselves as the underdog? Yeah, that's a very good, very good question. I mean, I actually spoke about that today, somebody else. Um, I think before, like we went back two years ago and um, I could probably say to you, yeah, let's not try and give them any kind of air at all. Don't give them any life. Yeah. We're not in a position to say that anymore. It's changed. We have no choice but to speak out. I mean, I was speaking to um, David Robert Grimes. He's great. He's always, you know, speaking out on this issue. And um, things have changed over the last year rapidly. I actually thought that Vax, you know, when it came on the scene, that it would be just gone. You know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't kind of amount to much. I really did. I thought people would see that. I've seen the film. And I'm telling you again, Andrew Wakefield, people accuse me that I haven't seen it. I have. Looking at it, you know, that it's obvious that it's it's absolute quackery and it's absolutely just basically a very poorly made film um but it isn't like that and and i agree with you that in one way by giving you know talking about this and the the articles we are giving them kind of advertising what they're doing and there's going to be people thinking curiously mm, there must be something in that you know so there is going to be a certain group of people that are going to investigate that and maybe join that movement i don't know But that's the risk that we have to take. We can't be quiet on this anymore because it's gone completely out of control. And if you're looking at Robert De Niro, which I did yesterday on the news with uh, Del Big Tree, I mean, it's just it's just terrible. And Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, signing papers together. You know, who's helping us? Sorry. Have I got any politician standing with the autistic community? You know, we don't get that support. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. I want to have a group of people that will come out there and do a press conference and we can say this is a serious issue. So and they have money. That's the other thing. And now they have a reward. I don't know if you saw that, but um, they've put out a hundred thousand um, reward if you can prove that um, thermosol, this mercury thing, st studies on it or something. So you have to sign up and pay $50 to try and get involved in this campaign, a scam. So all these people are going to give $50 to Robert Kennedy Jr. and Robert De Niro. They're going to make loads of money out of that, obviously, because they think they're going to get $100,000. And people are buying into this. I had an anti-vaxxer send this to me in a message, you know. And I, I just, I just thinking, it's so mm -hmm. crazy. I mean, it's like something from a film. And that's the point I'm making is that you are right when you say to, you know, that we are giving them some kind of advertising when we're doing this. But what choice, what option have we got, Andreas? There is no 
other thing we can do. Yeah. No one is actually standing up there. The health departments all around the world, look what we had to do to get the European Parliament to address this. Mm -hmm. I actually mm -hmm. rang um, Michelle Rivasi's office personally. I mean, I do this voluntary. I don't get any money. I'm not a farmer shill. And I rang uh, maybe 20 times. I rang continuously emailing, you know, just every day, maybe for 10 days until eventually, you know, it, it stopped. And it wasn't just me. There's loads of people doing this. I mean, we, we, we don't we shouldn't have to do this. This should not be our job. There's government officials that should be looking at this issue as as kind of a priority. They're not even noticing it going on around them. I mean, you know, if you were an MEP in the European Parliament, you might think, hang on, that's not right, is it? Isn't that that doctor? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't let him come here and talk. No. You know, it was, and the Green Party I'm absolutely furious with because um, not all of them support that. I'm not saying that. And in Ireland, we had a very active um, response here. You know, they, they did contact Ravasi and they, and they said it's wrong what you're doing. Um, there is a lot of people that are in the kind of, you know, environmental movement that care so much about polar bears and, you know, all this stuff and climate change. And then they don't give a damn about children you know, about protecting them from diseases. Yeah. I don't get that. This is what's so crazy with the anti-vaccine movement. I actually said this to an anti-vaxxer today. You say that vaccines are dangerous. You say that they're bad, but they have no problem giving autistic children unregulated, dangerous products like MMS, chelation, GCMAF, all these things which are made by cults and, you know, crazy people. That's fine. We'll shove that into them. We'll put bleach up their backsides, but don't vaccinate them, whatever you do. It's a cult. I mean, this is the bottom line here. We are dealing with a cult. You cannot educate these people because they really believe in Wakefield. He's like their god. He's like their leader. You couldn't even like engage in a rational way with these people. I've tried. I've, I've, I've tried so many times because I actually feel sorry for these parents. I really, really do. Deep down, I think he has taken these people and he's broken them. And they're in a position where they are never going to see sense on this issue. And what really hurts me then are the little babies that die as a consequence of the, their actions. But they don't even acknowledge these deaths. I mean, I've actually spoken about, you know, deaths from measles. There was quite a few in Romania. And I was reading this yesterday. And they don't even see that as important. I had one anti-vaxxer say to me, so, you know, isn't autism worse than a child dying? This is what they think. This is their belief. They actually think, and I saw one mother actually say she would rather her child have measles and possibly die than be autistic. That's, that's, what can you say? That is, that is just terrible. Yeah. I think Wakefield, I mean, I've been looking back. I go, I'm going back to the 19, late 1990s, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to find out more about him as a person. He wrote a book called The War, Waging a War on Autistic Children. The language he's used has really built this kind of um, fear and hatred for autism. And I think that's what it's about, you know, that parents actually really deep down don't want autism. They don't want an autistic child. And they are basically doing everything to change that. So when he says to these parents, oh, it's vaccine injury, they have a belief in their brain that they can actually remove that from their body. And that's how they start these products. They put them on these treatments to get rid of the, you know, mercury that isn't even in there i mean that's the this is the the terrible part you've got robert kennedy jr go talking about mercury it's not in the vaccine anymore it's gone for years yeah. so they're actually they're not even aware of that and we're like hello it's not in there but sure you can't get through to them so um 
everything is so badly done. And I mean, you know, watching them speak and Robert De Niro, I, I'm just, you know, my son loves Robert De Niro and he's 24 now. He's got all his movies. And um, it was very funny. He's autistic, Dylan. And he came in and he said to me, is Robert De Niro a quack now as well? And I just burst out laughing, you know. Robert De Niro made a statement yesterday saying he had tried every treatment on his son. What were those treatments? You know, that's what really worries me. If Robert De Niro is getting his medical advice from Jenny McCarthy and Robert Kennedy Jr., those treatments can't be good. You know, so it, it's got nothing to do with um, people say to me that these people aren't educated. There's educated people that are buying into this as well. Yeah. Uh, so, Fiona, you are speaking up quite vehemently uh, against Wakefield, uh, Wakefield Dancy vaccination movement. Well, you really talked about at the London event. Yeah, <laughs> that was the yeah. I was actually when 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 Wakefield did his talk, there was a video, so it was recorded live, and um, he put it out on his Doctor Wakefield page. He's a Facebook page, and um, I didn't. It was an hour long, so I kind of glanced through it a little bit. But then my husband decided to listen to it on Valentine's night. So, so romantic, <laughs> and he had it on his headphones. And then <laughs> I was making the kids' school lunches, and he was like, "He's like, oh my god!" And I said, "What's wrong?" And he was like. I just think I heard someone talk about where we live. We live in a tiny village in West Cork called Drimmer League. I mean, there's like very few people, cows and sheep. I said, don't be ridiculous. Why would they be talking about Drimmer League? And then he said, oh, my God, they're, they're talking about you. So um, we went and we listened. And basically what happened was um, Wakefield was doing his questions and answers. And a man stood up in the audience and basically mentioned me. It was a question about me. What do you think of Fiona O'Leary? Why don't you bring the film to Drimmer League in West Cork, where she lives? And the whole audience were laughing along, 350 people. So Mr. Wakefield um, kind of looked at this man and said, um, yeah, organize it and I'll come along. And then he said, um, I've heard of her, Fiona O'Leary. I hear she's on the autism spectrum. If this is true, my heart goes out to her. So basically pitying me. Uh, patronizing me and feeling sorry for me because I'm on the autistic spectrum, which I am. Um, it was so humiliating and everyone again, you know, laughing along with that. So it was a real bad mistake on his part because he really, really just, um, I don't know, displayed who he really was, the kind of person he was. Now I thought like with all this controversy around the film that any bit of time these people had to ask important questions about you know all the hidden data or whatever that they'd be asking important questions but the fact that I was brought up as a question it just shows really what these people are like and um, I think Wakefield was aware that that question was going to be asked but yeah he basically belittled me and um, you know I pity her almost because she's autistic which is what he does this brings back to the book he wrote about waging the war on autistic children how he calls us a plague a holocaust you know, imagine like my boys, you know, it could be worse in another 10 years. What I'm trying to do is to prevent that from happening because I, I don't want Wakefield to be allowed to do this anymore. I want him stopped. Um, he's not going to stop of his own fruition. <laughs> we know that now. He doesn't seem to care. Well, um, he was a business, isn't it? So it is more, and I, don't, I don't understand what it is. I actually think that Wakefield is um, not well mentally I, I really do because when you listen to him speak it seems that every year he's gone more down this conspiracy rabbit hole and you know he's talking about eugenics programs and that this is what the vaccine is all about and you know then he did an interview prior to the talk which I watched yesterday 
just calling autism a problem. That's what he was referring to. You know, basically saying, you know, that we are a problem for society. And he's made like comments in the past about how if there's more autistic people, there won't be a, the country won't be run properly. I mean, how dare he say that? I mean, <laughs> is he doing a good job? He's wiping out kids, you know, with his crazy rhetoric. I don't think so. And um, how is that going to help someone on the spectrum? You know, I don't understand how he can say he's advocating for autistic children, which is what he said. You know, it just it just beggars belief. His comments make no sense because what he's yeah. doing is actually harming us greatly. You know, it's the opposite of what he's saying. Are you constantly monitoring his activities? Yeah, not to the point where, I mean, I have a life. I've got a family and um, I do as much as I can, you know, on a daily basis. But um, I have to because I know they're coming to Ireland soon. I know that this is happening and um, they're already organising it. And there's key people here that we're watching that are doing this that were at his London event. So um, it wasn't just people in London that went to his event. It was people from all over the world, you know, Americans, Belgium, French, There was a lot of people there. And I just think, like, if you see the photographs of Wakefield, um, they had a car, a Range Rover. So they've got the Vax bus in America. So they had a Range Rover where parents were signing their children's names. Just horrible. With a little hashtag. You know, like they did with the Jews. You have a number. These mm. kids have a number. And then you see Wakefield outside Big Ben in the mm. sunshine with his hand on the car. Like he was doing an advertisement, you know, for hurting children. You know, it's just it's just surreal. So um, it is a business, but I, I just think that he's so caught up in it now that he can't escape. He, I, I think Wakefield knows he's doing wrong. I think so too. Yeah, I agree with you. And even watching his body language and how he is, he doesn't seem, he looks very, um, I don't know, he doesn't seem to be very confident. I mean, it must be really boring talking the same crap for the last how many years and trying to sell something. He's like a salesman. I, I see him as some kind of um, encyclopedia salesman. You know how they drive you crazy <laughs> trying to get you to, to uh, buy the book or Jehovah's Witness or whatever. Um, I don't know. Then I'm hearing stories. I, I had someone reach out to me, actually. Um, he was a lecturer of mine in college. He's a lovely man saying that the wife, his wife has a lot to do with it. And I'm like, what, really? And I thought, my goodness, I'd never thought. But apparently she's a lawyer. So when he came on the scene initially, she was very much involved in trying to sue. So maybe, you know, there's more people behind him that we're not looking at because he's the person that's on the floor talking. But there's probably more people behind the scenes. So I'm going to delve even further. I mean, I probably will write a book at some point about all of this. Um, I want to. And um, just to challenge everything. And, and I, I actually think that, you know, in another five years, I really just hope that Vax are gone. That's that's my dream that this won't be a reality anymore. And I just hope that there isn't too many babies that are going to die at the hands of this movement. It, it really frightens me. And um, even here in Ireland, you know, I, I'm in my supermarket. I met a woman who was asking me about my campaign work and I was telling her what we do. And and she started to talk about the vaccine and saying, oh, yeah, but isn't it? It's not safe. So, I mean, there's, there's people you know, in my town that are listening to Wakefield. I mean, he's, he's, inf he's infected, I use that word, the whole world with this. Mm -hmm. He's done so much harm. And um, especially pregnant women, you know, that I've seen them approach pregnant women and touch their bellies and say, you're not going to vaccinate, are you? You know, it's just really creepy and um, just so dangerous. I don't know why anyone would want their child to suffer. I, I lost a cousin to meningitis when there was no vaccine years and years ago. I never met him. And his dad, my uncle, It was his only son. He never recovered from losing his son. And he said, if there had been a vaccine at the time, which there is now, which prevented the meningitis mm -hmm. that he had, 
what he wouldn't have done to have that. I'm talking to a woman here in Ireland whose father had polio. You know, the suffering he went through. People seem to forget they're still there. All those diseases haven't gone away. We've just managed to stem them yeah. with vaccinations, you know, but they're not gone. And um, I just, you know, I had someone telling me then an anti-vaxxer, polio is a hoax. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. We're, de we're dealing with, um, it's not that they're not educated, they're brainwashed. There's a difference between not knowing about something and yeah. believing in God. It's, it's like a bit like a religion, I suppose, mm. in a way, like I said, and they don't need evidence because God doesn't exist, but they still believe, you know? And I think too much time has elapsed since uh, these were really terrible issues that every yeah. family had to go through and had to face uh, at some point. It's uh, kind of the same thing as uh, Holocaust denial. Yep. I think that very few people are alive who still remember what it was like mm -hmm. to be in the Second World War. And now we're unfortunately heading to something very, very similar to that era previous to the Second World War, which is a terrible thought, but, but apparently that is the case. And this is how uh, vaccines uh, are being ignored and being, being denied to be working and to be uh, absolutely a blessing to humanity. And uh, it's, it's absolutely terrible. So what do you think the best course of action is? So what would you recommend others to do? How can people help, what, help you with what you're doing? What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I think that, you know, people need to talk to their, their politicians. That, that isn't hard. You know, I mean, you can talk to somebody in your area and just say that this needs to be done. If everybody wrote a letter, you know, to the government and made noise on this issue, like we've done petitions. And to be honest with you, they don't really work. They're not really effective. That's my experience. And we've had petitions for other things. But by just even phoning, I know it's a little bit of an expense, but it's worth it. When I rang, you know, like Michelle Ravasi's office, and when I rang other politicians, they did listen and they did act. And I think sometimes writing an email isn't enough that if you hear you on the phone that you're like, I'm really serious about this. This is a serious issue. And I suppose all of the organizations out there, autism charities, I don't see any statements. I don't see them actively coming out and saying, we need to do something about this. You know, this man should be a platform. No university should allow this man a platform. This is not, people keep giving out to me saying, you are, you know, stopping freedom of speech. This, exactly what you said, we have used the Holocaust denial thing. It's the same thing, really, if you think about it. And, and the irony with that is, and the, the, the terrible thing is, Wakefield uses the Holocaust in his own kind of speaking. So he will say, vaccines, it's the same thing, which is absolutely awful. Like, he's on about eugenics and things, longevity. Like, we're living proof that vaccines work. I mean, that's this is what the reality is. We're here, exactly. you know? And they don't seem to see that. Like, my mum is 80 in November, you know? She had, um, she can remember TB. She can remember all of these awful things. Her mother lost her lung, you know, the suffering in her childhood because of not having proper health care and medications, you know, what they went through as a family. We are so lucky. You know, we get flus and colds, but nothing like what, you know, our ancestors suffered and went through. And um, and like I said, these people seem to think they're gone. They're not gone. They're still there around us. And I suppose that's what we're living in, a kind of a mind where if we don't see someone, so how many children do they want to suffer and die before they realize that there's a problem? So I think the governments need to do a campaign Put an advert on the TV. Do something. 
that really goes out there hard hitting like they do for, I don't know, drunk driving or whatever. But to bring that back, they did do that in the 90s. I think there was an MMR kind of um, advertisement went out in England. Bring it back. Bring those adverts back and show people the the statistics, what happens, you know, the suffering that goes on, because they've become like kind of zombies. And the other thing is we have so many health nut news and alternative conspiracy news stations now. There's just hundreds of them. People are getting their advice from that. I've had people say, oh, I saw it on this site. I'm like, that's that's just a quack site. We need to be proactive. And I think the Times have been brilliant. I have to, I really have to praise them. Um, Oliver, Moody and um, Tom Whipple and there's Tom Shivers from BuzzFeed. They've done some very good pieces over the last week or so. And um, those, those, those stories have to keep coming. You know, they have to keep churning. We have to keep it alive. We can't just forget about it now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll wake up tomorrow and I will do keep on this again. Even people writing and blogging about it is important because people do see that. And... Um, just just warning parents, you know, even if you meet someone on the street, you know, and they have a question, tell them the reality of this issue mm-hmm. and stop them speaking. This is not about freedom of speech. It's about protecting children and babies and society from a man that is effectively going to harm their children. And this is the reality of it. You know, at the end of the day, it's about saving lives. That's what we're doing here. It's nothing else. It's not a game. I think Vax think they're on a kind of a scoreboard. We're winning because this is what they say. This is about saving lives. And that's what we are about. I I just care about the children. I love children. They're a priority in my life. I just want them safe. Um, I'm just worried that um, we get all the attention or the attention will be gained when it's too late, when there is already an outbreak um, or uh, an epidemic. And then people will realize what a you know, what ha- has happened. Jenna, that, that is probably, I mean, I don't want to be negative, but I mm. think that's what will mm. happen. Mm. And my husband has said that once we see a serious outbreak, you know, where well, yeah. we had, a, I mean, to be honest with you, what, what, what warrants a serious outbreak? We had 40 yeah. cases of measles in Ireland last year. That was a lot in the summertime, yeah. 40. And um, I thought the Irish government were really lazy when that happened. You know, we had a few bit of news coverage, but they didn't actually say, hey, we better do something about it. Um, so 40 cases to me is an awful lot compared to what we we don't have that in some states in America they haven't seen measles for 16 or 17 years because they have got a really high herd immunity. We have to keep that up. And if we don't, if we go down and we get lower and lower, this is going to happen. Even my children are safe, vaccinated, but my doctor has told me there's still that window or that gap with herd immunity. That if we don't yeah. close that, we can still get get infected by these diseases. So. I'm infuriated because, like, my son has asthma and, like, if he got one of these viruses, it could really make him ill. So I just think it's such a selfish thing to do as a parent that you choose. You're not just harming your own children, but you're actually harming others as well. It's like smoking, you know. <laughs> um, it's just wrong. It's morally and ethically wrong. And, um, yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to keep bang, banging on about it, keep educating, yeah. educating people. Um, yeah. That's all we can do. But I mean, we do want the governments to help. So, I mean, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking politicians, you know, if if you really care about mankind, you know, do something about this because it is going to become a crisis. And if Trump, if Trump gives the green light to these these charlatans, which is what they are, then we're, we're, we're going to see a disaster. I mean, you can see what he's doing already. And the worry is that it's going to filter down to other countries as well. So it definitely will have an effect on on other countries approach. 
Yeah, I mean, he's already doing that, isn't it? I mean, look at, you know, I mean, I, I really worry. I think that politically the world is in a really dangerous time. And what really shocks me is that Wayfield has been around for so long that we're still having this conversation. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. We shouldn't be in this position now. But it is because of this kind of um, the quacks have got a green light, which they haven't had before. It's all Trump. Everything is Trump. If you look at any anti-vaxxer talking, Trump, Trump, Trump. They've all joined with Trump. They don't care about any of their moral values, if they had any before, about what he's doing to other groups in society. I mean, he hates everybody. They've just joined with him because he supports this issue that they are so passionate about. It doesn't matter if he wipes out all other people. As long as he's anti-vaccine, they don't care. And that's what this is about. And Wakefield was at the inaugural ball and Robert Kennedy Jr. has met with Trump. You know, so that it is. We, we need to be thinking plan B now because um, we can keep the stories in the media, but it's not effective. It's not going to stop this. And I mean, unless the government actually does something to say, you know, we're not going to allow this anymore. I mean, we don't have, um, you know, in Ireland, like parents can pick and choose if they want to vaccinate their children. That's where we are. And I think maybe we need to be a bit stronger on that and bring in, you know, kind of laws that will say you have to do this. You want your kids in a school environment. They need to be vaccinated. I am completely 100 percent behind something like that. And I know I'll be in serious trouble for saying that. But I, I, I feel very strongly on this issue. And at the end of the day, like I said, vaccines are the most effective way to prevent these awful diseases that we don't want back. Indeed. Certainly not. If someone wants to follow your your work and uh, possibly even help you with uh, campaigning, how can they get in contact with you? Well, we have a website, autisticrightstogether.ie, mm-hmm. and then I'm on Facebook, Fiona O'Leary. I'm on Twitter, and um, you know we've got our email, right. phone number, whatever. Um, mostly Facebook and Twitter. We're very proactive there. Every day, there's usual, new, there's always new information about this mm-hmm. issue because we are following facts very, very closely. And um, you know, if they are going to come to Ireland and they're planning a European tour, I would like to see all countries, you know, kind of linking in together. I suppose, which would be a great thing, so that we could give information about, you know, when is this happening? And you're doing that already, of course. You're doing great work, guys, and um, just keeping everybody in the know mm-hmm. to protest. You know, I mean. I suppose that would be a good thing as well if there was a real big protest against this movement. I'd love to see that happening. And I think that would kind of make a statement as well to governments that we need to do something. Um, Because if we don't, you know, where are we going to be in another five years time? You know, are we going to have polio back? Are we going to see children, you know, disabled from awful diseases? I I know a lot of people that have um, gone blind from the measles. I know a man living in my area that is blind because of measles because he got them as a child. So, yeah, is that what they want? They want their children to be, you know, disabled and dead over autism. Is that what we're dealing with? Mm-hmm. It's really just dreadful. On that positive note, oh, yeah, <laughs> I would like to thank you again, Fiona. Thank you so, so very much for your time and uh, coming on the show. I mean, I mean, you know, it's a very depressing conversation, but there is a positive side is that um, we're here and we are a movement. And, um, you know, just to to give that message to Mr. Wakefield um, and to his supporters or whatever, that we're not going away and um, we will keep fighting them until this is resolved. It's 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 you know, we have a lot of very strong, passionate people that are, you know, really not going to let these people get a hold. So, yeah, it's quite positive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. So 
yeah I, I i wish you all the strength and and even success with uh with your efforts absolutely and hope next time we meet uh we don't have to talk about andrew wakefield and vexed <laughs> I, I just want to say i just want to say one thing actually if i may i just want to give a shout out for my colleague in london her name is emma dalmain um she's been surgery soon she's not well and um she's been great support with me throughout all of this and um just just to say just to mention her, she's a great campaigner as well and i hope that she's a speedy recovery okay thanks so much guys thanks for having thank me thank you very much fiona thank you yeah. thank you bye guys bye bye Well, I said at the beginning that uh, I hope our listeners would enjoy uh, the interviews. Well, even though it's always very nice to talk to the, to these people, these are terrible topics to discuss. Indeed. And so, you know, hopefully next time when we speak to Fiona, it'll be because of the good occasion and uh, progress made. And maybe we won't ever need to hear about Andrew Wakefield ever again. Well, Here's yeah, please wake up. <laughs> Stop daydreaming. <gasps> um, it's not going to happen, I'm afraid. But there are things dream. that we can do. Yeah. It just occurred to me that um, Fiona told us about Vexed uh, being available on Amazon and on iTunes. I've checked, unfortunately that is really the case it's uh at least it is with the uk stores of uh, of both so what i'd like to um encourage everyone to do i have already done that with the uk store look up the the actual movie on itunes or on amazon and write a review i'm, I'm hoping andrew wakefield and his supporters not to be listening to the show so I would like to uh, encourage everyone to get in contact with us. So if you if you email us, uh, I can give you a copy or I can give you a link to a copy of the of the movie. After watching it, please leave a review on Amazon and iTunes bashing it. So don't yeah, don't be a softy. Don't be too soft on them. Um, it's absolutely crazy what's going on in the comment sections there so uh it is badly needed so yeah i think this is a course of action that we can take and we can make an international effort out of it indeed okay so um i'm pretty sure that this has been all that we had time for on this episode so i'd like to thank you yelena for joining me today uh, but it was my pleasure, even though it was brief. Yeah, it was brief, and uh, it's never the same without Pontus. It's never the same without all three of us being together. So I uh, can't wait to get to have uh, Pontus back next week. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent.
If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. On every other episode, we eat you... Have you heard that fucking idiot is coming over and I'm gonna have to throw him a party? Is that how she talks? I don't think so. I don't know how she talks. Anyway, Ski. She's a cute little old lady. Especially when she wears those those funny hats. She always she always wears the honey funny hats. Yeah. What's even funnier is when she wears the crown. <laughs> Why? That's what? that looks just silly. Uh. I mean it's ridiculous.